Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we have a special episode about coronavirus, answering kids' questions. We collected your questions about coronavirus and found an expert to answer them. Coronavirus can seem scary and complicated. This episode will help you understand the science behind the virus and answer your biggest questions. Before we get to this week's episode, we've got a few things to take care of. First, we want to let you know that our audio course is finally out on Himalaya Learning. The Wildlife of Your Home pod course is a 10-episode series that will train you to become an indoor wildlife investigator, a rare kind of scientist. You'll learn about ecosystems by discovering the unknown creatures you wake up with every day. It's available right now on learning.himalaya.com tumble. If you enroll now, you'll get a free 14-day trial on the Himalaya Learning platform. And next, we got some new patrons to thank. Roland, Bridger, happy belated birthday on August 2nd, Bridger. Your dad loves you and loves all the adventures you go on. Isaac and Aurora Lang, Ian Skinner, Aaron, Holly, and Charlotte. And Charlotte, happy birthday on August 15th. Keep learning and asking questions. Your mommy loves you. And also Cleo Chan Testa. Keep learning and shining. And happy birthday on August 21st. There are also some more not-new patrons with birthdays coming up. Persephone Schmitter, happy birthday on August 14th. Leo Liked Gould, happy birthday on August 15th. Your parents love you and are so grateful for you. Catherine, happy birthday on August 16th. Emma Kay, happy birthday on August 21st. Mom and Dad are always so proud of you. Julian Butel, happy birthday on August 21st. Thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. If you'd like to get a shout-out like these people, or get a happy birthday wish from yours truly on our podcast, just go to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast and pledge at the $5 level or higher. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. You've probably already heard about coronavirus, and maybe it's already affected your life. Where we live in Spain, the schools are shut down for at least two weeks. And maybe your school is closed too, or a trip you are looking forward to has been canceled, or maybe you know people who are sick or scared of getting sick. We know that you're trying to learn more about coronavirus just like your parents. So that's why we decided to collect questions from our listeners and get real answers. And you guys sent us some, like, really great questions. I shared all of them with Dr. Juan Dumois. My name is Juan Dumois, and I am a pediatric infectious diseases physician here at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital. Coronavirus is an infectious disease, meaning it comes from an organism like a virus or bacterium. Dr. Dumois has studied these kinds of diseases and works with kids, which makes him a great person to answer your questions. So this is more of like an interview than our normal shows. Yeah, we're going to hear your questions and Dr. Dumois' answers, and I'm going to chime in with some questions of my own, too. So let's get started with a question about how coronavirus got started from Simone with some help from her mom. Hi, my name is Simone Lee McLaughlin. I am nine and in third grade. I have several questions about the coronavirus. Where did they come up with? For the name of the virus. Where'd they come up with the name? Did it really originate from bats? Because that's what I heard. If so, did people eat the bats or how did it happen? That's a really good question. 
And we do have some good information about where this coronavirus may have come from. And we think that it may have originally been in bats, but then the bats spread the virus to a different type of animal called a pangolin. A pangolin is kind of like uh, an armadillo. Uh, We don't have pangolins here, but they have them in Asia, in China, where the coronavirus started. What probably happened was that people who were catching pangolins, and sometimes they, they like to eat them over there, may have caught a coronavirus from one of the animals. And then when they got infected with coronavirus because they were holding a sick animal, the virus then started making people sick. How do scientists figure out what kind of animal might have spread this? When they figured out there was a new virus, they were able to look at the genetic material of the virus. Um, All viruses and bacteria and people are made up of genes that are made up of DNA or RNA. We can look at the genes in the virus and compare it to the same genes in other types of coronavirus and see how similar they are. And when they did that, and they did that comparing to other coronaviruses that they already knew about, it was pretty closely related to coronaviruses previously found by scientists in bats. But then they also found that it was even more closely related to a strain of coronavirus found in this pangolin animal. And so it's really closely related to the pangolin and pretty closely, but just a little less closely related to the bat. And that's why it seems like a bat may have given it to the pangolin, which gave it to a human. And how would the human have gotten it? Would the pangolin have bitten the human? How does this usually happen? Now, the the virus could be found in the saliva or the spit of the pangolin. And it what we see in humans is it's even found in, in human poop. So just by touching the pangolin and maybe some of the spit that might have come out uh, or even being bitten from by a pangolin and some of the pangolin spit will get into the bite wound, those are different ways that humans might have been infected. But if a, if a pangolin was sort of sick and coughing with the coronavirus, just the cough could have spread virus in the air to the human that was handling it. Wow, so the pangolin is the prime suspect. It's a suspect, but it's still not 100% guilty. And we're not sure the pangolins are the real culprits. Many scientists are asking questions that might help prove where coronavirus really came from. Pangolin or no pangolin? Either way, I mean, it's probably not the animal's fault. I'll bet they didn't get sick on purpose. Exactly. So getting back to Simone, she had one more really good question. Whether viruses have something in common with hurricanes. Are viruses like this named in alphabetical order just like hurricanes? Viruses are not named in alphabetical order, but 
the names given to viruses, you know, kind of depend upon the science scientists who discovered it. And they'll sometimes name them based upon uh, the appearance under the microscope, like coronavirus. Coronavirus was named because the word corona comes from an old Latin word that means crown. And when you look at the coronavirus under a special type of microscope called an electron microscope, because you can't see viruses under regular microscopes, but these electron microscopes can show you a picture of the virus and the virus has spikes going around the edge, sort of like the spikes going around a king or queen's crown. So they called it like crown virus. So just like a king or queen's crown, but uh, probably a lot fewer jewels. No jewels, actually. And it's probably a lot tinier. Sometimes you'll hear people call coronavirus the new coronavirus, which means that there are a lot of these types of crown viruses. Speaking of... Arius, who is six, wondered how the virus spreads. How does coronavirus travel to different people? So coronavirus can go from one person to another in two different ways. One is if you're sick with the coronavirus and you're coughing, when you cough, there are all these tiny little drops of water that go out of your mouth into the air. And those drops of water can go out maybe three or four feet from your face. And each little drop can have a bunch of viruses in it. So if you cough or sneeze into somebody's face and they're close to you, then you may put virus right into their nose and mouth. The, the second way people can get coronavirus is probably a more common way. So if I have coronavirus and I'm coughing and I cough into my hand and I now have virus on my hand, I can then touch a doorknob or a computer mouse or a cell phone and put viruses on that object. And that vi those viruses can stay on those objects for several hours, sometimes a few days, so that the next person who touches that object will get the virus on their hands. But you don't get sick if you get coronavirus on your hands. You get sick if you have coronavirus on your hands and then you touch your mouth or your nose or your eyes. So that is probably a much more common way that people catch coronavirus because they don't clean their hands before touching their face. And so that's why everybody is being told not to touch their face, right? That's true. And I think a more accurate recommendation is don't touch your face until you've had a chance to clean your hands. Then it's okay to touch your face. So like if you have a scratch on your face, you should run to the sink, wash your hands for 20 seconds, and then you'll be able to get some relief? Yes, yes. However, often by then the itch has gone away. Because that happened to me yesterday morning. I had this itch, I hadn't cleaned my hands, and I had just borrowed a pen from another person. So I just picked up whatever germs they might have had on their hands. And this itch was, it, well, it seemed to be driving me crazy, but I just let it go. I didn't touch my face, and it, was, it went away on its own after about 10 seconds. But I wanted to touch my face so badly. Yeah. So probably no more picking your nose, too. 
No picking your nose unless you've just washed your hands. And then you wash your hands immediately after. Interesting. Just... I'll have to employ that strategy the next pick. <laughs> so another big question scientists have been working on is why coronavirus affects some people more than others. That's what Noah wondered about. My name is Noah. I'm eight years old. And my question is, why does the coronavirus seem more dangerous for the elderly than it is for kids? I don't know. We don't have good answers for that question. That is an excellent question from Noah. And we don't know for sure why that is. We have seen that before with some other viruses, and this is doing the same thing. But we don't see that with all viruses. So there's some viruses like the flu where younger kids are sicker than older kids when they catch the flu. But that is not the case for the coronavirus. We don't know for sure yet. Wow. So it seems like scientists have a big mystery to unravel here, like how the coronavirus works. Yes, they do. But knowing what we do know already, that the virus is more dangerous for older people, brings us to our next really important question from Rafi. My name is Rafi. Um, I'm five years old, and can I still hug and kiss my grandma? I think the best answer for Rafi is that if you're not sick at all, it is fine to go hug your grandma. If you start getting sick with anything, if it's a little scratchy throat, if your throat hurts a little bit, or if you just started coughing, or even if you have a little bit of a runny nose, chances are you might just be starting to have some kind of illness caused by a virus. Older people like grandmas are more likely to get sick enough to be in the hospital if they get a virus. And that's not just coronavirus, but that's the flu and a whole bunch of other viruses that may not make a child as sick. So I think that whenever you feel that you are starting to get sick, don't hug grandma or any other older people. If you are totally fine and you have not even been sick recently, then it should be fine to hug grandma. Okay, so give your grandparents hugs only if you're both perfectly healthy. Exactly. And our listeners also wondered about the furrier members of the family. Here's Emmett, who's six. Can pets get coronavirus? Your pet could get it, but would probably not get sick. So you probably don't have to worry about your pet. So do pets pose any risk for transmission, for spreading the disease? Not as far as we know. If the virus is not able to make them sick, if they have any virus that's being shed, it is probably a very small quantity. And, and when you're only shedding a small amount of virus, it's harder to spread it to other people. What does he mean by virus shedding? Like, do dogs shed that as well as fur and, like, little bits of food that they drop at the floor and then quickly gobble up? Well, it's the same idea as, like, shedding fur, but it's with microscopic particles, and it's something we do as well. 
Virus shedding is a fancy way of saying how the virus comes out of us, like in our coughs, our sneezes, and even our poop. Poop? Are we talking about poop again? (laughs) Yep, virus ends up in our poop. Another good reason not to touch your poop and then pick your nose. Do not do that. Do not do that. (laughs) Definitely don't do that. Well, on that note, I had two last really big questions for Dr. Dumois about how science works in the time of coronavirus. Tumble really focuses on the scientific process, and usually it moves slowly, and there's a lot of careful consideration, and it takes a long time for papers to be published and information to get shared between scientists. So can you explain how science is speeding up to tackle a problem like coronavirus, which is moving so quickly, and you know there's so much left to be understood about it? One thing that the scientists were able to do very early during the coronavirus outbreak was that they were able to detect that it was a new virus, and they were able to tell us about the genes that make up the virus. They did it in a way that was so quick that we could not have done it 10 years ago. The laboratory science has advanced so much that something that used to take weeks now takes hours. So that is one important thing that has really helped in the development of a test to diagnose it in patients and is helping with coming up with treatments and vaccines. Another thing that has helped is that the scientists who've been finding out new information about the virus have been willing to put out the information to the public very quickly. I think a lot of people are wondering, what what will it take to end this outbreak? When will it end? How will it end? And how can science help? So the outbreak may eventually end when enough people have become immune to the virus. Becoming immune means when you get sick with something, your body then learns how to fight it off and prevent you from getting sick with it again. That is called immunity. So if you get coronavirus, and you develop immunity, you may be less likely to get sick from this type of coronavirus again. Furthermore, what scientists are working on right now is a vaccine. So a vaccine is a shot that you get that helps trick your body into thinking you got sick with a virus and your body develops immunity to that virus. It helps protect you from getting sick should you ever get infected with that virus in the future. Now that, a vaccine may not be available for another year, but when it becomes available, all the people who did not get infected with coronavirus can get the vaccine so that eventually this coronavirus may just become a mild cold like the other coronaviruses that we've known about for years. So... Should kids expect that they might get the coronavirus or that a lot of people they know might get the coronavirus? We will be seeing more coronavirus being diagnosed in the United States. So it would not be surprising if kids find out that they know someone who was infected with coronavirus. But I don't think it needs to be something scary. 
the vast majority of people, especially people that are the ages of their friends and their parents, are just going to get over it and, and do just fine. Like every expert on coronavirus, Dr. Dumois recommended washing your hands for 20 seconds while you hum a hand-washing song to yourself. Or you can use hand sanitizer. Make sure that your hands are wet on both sides with a hand sanitizer for at least 15 seconds. So the message is, don't panic, but be safe and help protect the people around you who might get more sick than you. Let's all work together to stay healthy as we learn more through science. Thanks to Dr. Juan Demois, infectious disease pediatrician at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital in St. Petersburg, Florida. Thanks also to the media team there for helping coordinate our interview. We'll have more resources to learn about coronavirus on our website, www.sciencepodcastforkids.com. We also have a great episode about viruses called The Sign of the Ninja Virus and educational materials to go along with some of our episodes. You can subscribe to Tumble wherever you get your podcasts. Sarah Lentz is our head of partnerships. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote and produced this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I make all of the wonderful music you hear. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. Give me a Z!